So uh, for, for uh, purposes of giving, uh, keep in mind all the ways that you can go ahead and uh, uh, give to the house. Of course, you can go ahead and give through the app. Uh, just uh, if you don't have it yet, you can get Faith C Center at the App Store. You can text to give Faith C Center uh, to that number. That'll get you started. Of course, faithccenter.com slash giving for the website. And then, of course, you can go ahead and either give cash, write out a check. If you make making checks payable, make them payable to FCC. If, you wanna, uh, if you're watching by live stream, you want to mail that in, mail that to Faith Christian Center, 95 Sagamore Road, Seekonk, Massachusetts, 02771, and it'll get here. Those of you that are wanting to give by either cash or check tonight, just be aware that on your way out, we have uh, uh, offering envelopes back there and pens. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. You know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for two tonight because I'm thirsty, man. Amen. Uh, and uh, so if you're uh, uh, given by those means, you can go ahead and fill out an envelope on the way out of the building tonight. There's offering containers right back there on the back table near the back door. And you can uh, deposit that right there. Praise the Lord. I tell you, I love giving. Glory to God. My wife and I, we get excited about giving. Now, now, in order to get excited about giving, you have to have the right thinking about giving. Because if you're thinking that you're losing something when you give, then you're not going to be happy about it. But when you realize that you are not losing, you are gaining with great gain something when you're giving. I tell you, then, then you are, you're on track with the word of God and God's way of thinking about it because God's the ultimate giver because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the biggest gift ever given right there. And so I, I, uh, I encourage you that, that as you walk with God and as you think about things the way God thinks about them, you get excited about things that other people don't get excited about because you know the real deal behind the scenes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to go ahead and uh, 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 open up a, uh, a topic with you tonight. And uh, I mean, this is very broad. Uh, this is much more of an overview than uh, uh, nitty-gritty detail. Uh, we'll, we'll look to get into a little nitty-gritty nitty detail of one of these particular aspects. But I want to talk to you tonight about understanding how things work in God's kingdom. Understanding how things work in God's kingdom. So we got my, my friend back there about to blow something up in the laboratory. But, but the, 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 thing, the thing that this uh, portrays to us is somebody who is interested in learning how things work. And I do believe tonight that, that I'm talking to people that are not just content to punch this Sunday clock and say, I went to church again, but you want to go ahead and live this some, sometime between Sunday and Sunday, between Sunday and Wednesday and Wednesday and Sunday, you want to go ahead and be able to live this and, and understand how the laws of God work and apply those laws in your life so you can have the good fruit of it flowing in your life. Am I talking to the right people tonight? Yes, indeed. And, uh, uh, just to introduce this way of thinking, this concept to you, uh, I want to let you know that we're, we're talking about uh, really what the, the New Testament calls 
laws in the same way that in the natural sense you've got laws that, that govern certain things in, in the universe. Uh, spiritually speaking, you have laws as well. And if you, uh, if you are in alignment with those laws, then hey, good things happen, you know. If you're in alignment with those laws, uh, you know, blessings come, good things come. You know, you're, you're putting yourself in a good position to be used by God, to, for, for God to use you to get heaven to somebody else. And in a lot of cases, God to use somebody else to get heaven to you. Hallelujah. And these are laws, spiritual laws, that, that are at work. I mean, you, you may be very familiar with the term that Paul used in uh, Romans chapter 8, where he started talking about uh, there's no condemnation to those who in Christ Jesus who, who, who don't walk after the flesh but after the spirit. And then he used this term that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm glad about that law. I'm glad that that law is at work in me because that is a law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When that law was uh, 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 effected in my life, when, when that law was operative in my life, what did it do? It made me free from the law of sin and death. What did it do for you? It made you free from the law of sin and death. And if it hasn't happened yet, then it's yours for the taking because God has put this law uh, and, and made this law available to us so that you, whoever you are, wherever you are, can be free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. So God, when God has a law, God does not have a law with the intention of keeping you in bondage. No, God has a law in mind to set you free from something. Come on now. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, we even see the terms um, several times in the book of James where uh, the, the term the law of liberty is used. Talking about the word of God as the law of liberty. Well, why would he use such a term as the law of liberty? Because it's a law that sets you free. When you get yourself in alignment with it, it sets you free. Glory to God. And it's right in line with what Jesus said about his own word over in John chapter 8, 31 and 32, where he said um, uh, that, that if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. This word, this law of God, this word of God is designed by him with our freedom and liberty in mind. He is not in any way looking to hold you in bondage. No, the one who's looking to hold you in bondage in any area is not him. It is the enemy. It is Satan. Absolutely. He's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come. Hallelujah. What's he come to do? Though so that we'd have life and that we'd have life more abundantly. Uh, Luke 9, 56, Jesus said that the son of man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Hallelujah. So, you know, part of understanding how things work in the kingdom of God, a lot of that has to do with understanding the character of the one who's the king in the kingdom. <laughs> understanding the character of God goes a long ways towards us being able to understand how things work in his kingdom. 
So we know that his character is a character uh, that, that, is, uh, that is good and kind. And his desire is not for us to be in bondage, but for us to be at liberty. Hallelujah. And just like the word does that, the Bible says that his spirit does that. The Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Am I bringing good news to somebody tonight? Hallelujah. Now, the Bible also talks about the law of love. So we see the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, reference to the law of liberty. We also see the law of love talked about. Jesus saying in John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. And then we also see uh, James talking about uh, walking in love, especially loving your neighbor as yourself. He calls that the royal law. So here's the thing. Just like there's laws in the universe that govern how things work, and we see our, our man here is uh, exploring or, or finding out or being educated regarding some of those laws. How about some of us become spiritual scientists tonight. I'm borrowing that term from a pastor out of Ohio, but it's a good term, so I'm going to borrow it. A spiritual scientist, somebody who's not just content to say, all right, I'm just going to go ahead and go to church and uh, pray and hope something happens. Or, you know, I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give and hope that something good comes out of my giving, or I'm going to go ahead and and love somebody and hope something good comes out of my loving somebody. No, I got to tell you, from, from the idea of a spiritual scientist, you want to understand how things work, and you are not content with not having results. Am I talking to the right people? Hey, you're not content with not having results. Uh, you, your, your contentment comes when you know that you're doing the thing that's right before God, that's producing the results that God has clearly stated that he intends for us to have. And, uh, you know, one thing about this, this law of love, uh, you know, and, and the idea of walking in love and how important it is. You know, did, did you realize this, that... One thing that God stated about love in 1 Corinthians 13 can blow your mind if you really get a hold of it. Blow your mind in, in the most positive sense of the word. Shall we say better than that? Renew your mind like pastors have been talking about. But, but you, when you think of that one statement made, love never fails. I got to tell you. If there's something out there that don't ever fail, I'm going to go ahead and get a hold of it and grab that, know how it works, make sure I'm working it every day and every second of every day. And if I ever am tempted to get out of it, I'm going to get back into it right away because love never fails. You being mad at somebody's going to fail. You holding on to a grudge is going to fail. But the Bible says love never fails. So I've got to tell you, if I get schooled in the law of love, and if I become proficient in walking in the law of love, I am walking in something. I'm in contact with something, or shall I say someone, because God is love, that will never, ever, ever, ever fail. Hallelujah. So I tell you, th these are things that I want to go ahead and put out there to get you hungry tonight and get you to say, I, I don't want to just be satisfied with 
with my life as usual and church as usual and everything as it's been, blah, 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 blah. But to have a new fire burning inside of you for the things of God and to really understand how the kingdom works and to see to it that that kingdom is working full throttle pedal to the metal in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible talks about the law of sowing and reaping. We talked about giving a little bit earlier. And I got to tell you, when you've got confidence in the law of giving and receiving, uh, you're not worried about gas prices. And I got to tell you, you know, we're, we're living in a time where, you know, crime's going up, gas prices going up, meat prices going up. Well, guess who, guess who, who else is going up? If, you, if you're in Christ, you're going up. Hallelujah. <laughs> so you see, when, when, when you got the right perspective on things, uh, the things that scare everybody else out of their wits is not scaring you. Hallelujah. You got the right perspective. So when you got confidence in God's laws of giving and receiving, you, you, you view it differently from how so many other people out there viewing it. Like, uh, like we talked about before, and uh, let's see, do I have my wallet here tonight? Yes, I do. So, I mean, if, if, if I'm going to go ahead and hold on tight to my wallet and say, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to go ahead and, and, and give because you never know what I might need, and I'm going to hold on tight to this. Well, the Bible has something to say about that. The Bible has something to say about somebody who's holding tight to their wallet and somebody who actually opens their wallet. I got more than papers in there. I do got money, see? <laughs> I got more than papers in there. I got green paper, praise the Lord. But, but, but you know, uh, consider this. The Bible says there is one who scatters and yet increases. Now, you say, how is that possible? If you're scattering, you're losing what you got. Not according to the principles of God. As a matter of fact, there's even principles in nature. The farmer goes and scatters seed. Come on. He's not losing that seed. When that seed goes in the ground and gets water and sunshine and proper uh, nutrients come on it, I, I, that produces fruit with even multiplied seed inside the fruit than the seed he planted to get it to begin with. Oh, somebody, come on now. So, I mean, the, the laws of the kingdom of God are just amazing and very exciting when we get a hold of it. So you can scatter and still increase. But then that same verse says that you can uh, hold on to more than what is right. And, and holding on, you, you think you're setting yourself up for a rainy day. The Bible says you hold on to more than what is right. It tends towards poverty. Now, I didn't make that up. That's the Bible. As a matter of fact, I got my own little rhymy way of saying that verse, and, and it goes like this. You hold on to what's in your hand, you get poor, but if you let go of what's in your hand, you get more. Now, if I got a choice between poor and more, hey, I know what I'm picking. How about you? Come on. Praise the Lord. The Bible also talks about the law of confession, the, the, the power of our words. And uh, th that's a, just a, an amazing thing. But one thing I want to focus in on tonight, very specifically, is the law of faith. And uh, this is really a, a, just, a, if people get a hold of this, they're getting a hold of the, the, the foundation, the, the elementary uh, 
information that's needed to to go ahead and advance in the kingdom of God, advance in the understanding of the kingdom and how the kingdom works, how God himself does stuff. Because you're not told to do something in a different way from how God does it. You are instructed to do it just like he does it. You say, but how can that be? I'm not God, I'm just little old me. But, but you, see, you see, that's part of the renewing of the mind that needs to take place. You can't think of yourself as little old you because in your mind, you would not be worth the price of redemption. You would not consider yourself worth the value of God sending his own son. Well, that's why I'm glad that I did not, I was not the one who determined my value because I would have not left to myself and left to my messed up state. I would not have considered myself worth that kind of investment. But the decision was not mine and it was not yours. It was God's. And God considered us valuable enough to pay a priceless price, the life of his own son, to be able to redeem us. So, hey, before you talk bad about yourself, you remember somebody invested a whole lot in you. Somebody invested a whole lot in you who just happens to be right about everything. So if he's right about everything, then he must be right about this, that you were worth the investment. Hallelujah. I know that makes your mind go tilt, but it's the truth anyhow. So if we're going to go tilt, let's go tilt with the truth. Come on. <laughs> the law of faith. You ready? Let's go ahead and get into some of this. And the first verse I want to look at together is Romans 3. Verse 27 says, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? No but by the law of faith. So let, let's go ahead and get into this law of faith tonight. Understanding that th this law of faith works for whoever. When Jesus was talking about faith in the 11th chapter of Mark, he said that this works for whoever. He said that the ability to speak to a mountain and to command it to be moved and cast into the sea uh, and not doubt in your heart but believe that what you say comes to pass and having whatever you say, Jesus made that statement and he said that it applied to whoever. So if this applies to whoever, then we realize this about the law of faith is that anybody can apply it and anybody can get the results from it. So like I said before, be a spiritual scientist in a sense where you know how things work and it's not a guessing game to you, but you're informed enough in the character of God, in the word of God, so that you can go ahead and see something clearly and say, if God said it's that way, it has to be that way and know that God's word can supersede anything. You got some, some things in the natural that are, are, are tough and, and real giants to face. But I got to tell you, when, when you look at those things through the perspective, through the lens of God's word, it looks different to you. You look at it apart from that lens and you say insurmountable, there's no way we can get through this. But, but when you put the lens, the, the glasses of the word on and you see through those glasses, yeah, yeah you, you say, we, we can do this. You got what, what, what is called the, 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 the same 
uh, spirit that was on Joshua and Caleb back in the book of Numbers when they were part of a group of 12 that went to check out the promised land. Ten of those guys came back and said, oh, it's a real great place. There ain't no way we can do it. But these two guys, Joshua and Caleb, said, yes, we can. And I want people in this house with the spirit of faith, people in this house who will not be those that say, uh, oh, it'd be really nice, but no, we can't. No, I want to hear, yes, we can. I want to hear the spirit of faith. I want people agreeing with God, saying, if God said we can, then I know we can, because God's right about everything. And if I'm going to be found disagreeing with anybody, it's certainly not going to be God. All right, we're having fun now. God's spiritual laws are eternal and carry a higher level of authority and surpass earth's physical laws. Glory to God. I got to tell you, you know, there, there's, you know, conditions in your body. And, and, and you know, uh, 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 hey, I'll tell you, you know, the, the enemy's a very real enemy, you know. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's trying to attack people. And, and you know, sometimes, you know, you can go along and say, well, uh, I guess it's just kind of how it goes. And, 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 you know, it's just part of life. You know, flu season comes around, you know. And, oh, here we go. Yep, my kids always get it that time of year and that kind of way of thinking. But I got to tell you, I, there's something in me that when I realize that sin and sickness come from the same source, then there's something in me that says, I'm going to go ahead and resist one just like I resist the other. I'm not going to go ahead and resist sin and you know, open my door to sickness. Forget about that. If they're both coming from the same source and Jesus came to redeem me from both of them, then I'm going to go ahead and fight against one just like I'd fight against the other. I mean, in the same way that I'd fight against adultery, anything that tried to come into my house and into my body, and it tries just like it does every other house. But when, I'll tell you what, I, there's something in me that stands up and says, I don't think so. Now, you don't know who I know and what I know. I've got a covenant with Almighty God. His name is Jehovah Rapha. He's got an eternal name that identifies him as healer. And he's not just somebody else's healer out there. No, he's my healer. Someone say it. He's my healer. Hallelujah. So what's that? That's the spirit of faith. That, that is the, the, the confidence that comes when knowing that, that God's laws can supersede anything else that's going on out there. Hallelujah. Now, keep this in mind that in the same way that the laws of lift and thrust can override the law of gravity, you know, that, that's what gets a plane off the ground. The, the law of lift and the law of thrust. And therefore, that, uh, that law of gravity, which would usually be in place, is overridden by another law. But you know what? I got to tell you, there's many times in our walk with God where we, we might be looking to go ahead and walk by faith. And we're allowing uh, 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 another law to override or hinder what we're trying to do. For instance, when we're looking to walk by faith and what the Lord says, but we forget about this little verse in Galatians, a very inconvenient verse that says, faith works through love. See that? Faith works through love. So if I want to go ahead and have my faith working, 
but uh, my love walk's not working real well and faith works through love, then not having my love walk in gear is going to hinder my faith walk from being all it's supposed to be. Are you with me tonight? And Jesus made that clear in Mark 11 when the very next thing he said after talking about moving mountains and believe you receive them and you will have them and, and, and a, the, the greatest message on faith ever preached, what did he do? He started talking about forgiving people. That was the next thing he said. Coincidink? I think not. Very much connected. Very, very much connected. And so, so here's the thing. If we want to walk by faith, then, then we want to go ahead and, uh, and make sure that our love walk is strong because your, your love, that's kind of like the, the, that's the gas in your faith car. And if, if, uh, if your gas tank is contaminated with a little bitterness and unforgiveness and stuff like that, it's going to keep your car from running at the condition that it's supposed to be running. Are you understanding me tonight? You know, uh, and, and it, it, another interesting thing, and, oh, hallelujah. Sometimes you say something you didn't plan on saying, and I believe the Holy Ghost is on this, and this is for somebody tonight. You cannot say, I'm going to go ahead and walk by faith and uh, do that independently of being led by the Spirit. Understand what I'm saying? You cannot just arbitrarily say, I'm going to walk by faith independently of being led by the Spirit. Because in the same way that you need to obey the written word of God, you also need to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, the prompting of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And if, if the Lord says not to do something, and you think, well, I'm just going to go ahead and believe God for this thing, when something inside is saying, no, 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 you can't go ahead and override that and get away with it. You can't override your disobedience to the prompting of the spirit by the law of faith. You see that? This is part of understanding how things work in the kingdom of God. Because faith and obedience go together. They flow together. They need to be happening together. They work well together. But if you're going to go ahead and say, well, I'm going to go ahead and believe God for something. And, and that's something that you're believing God for, even though it might be fine for, for somebody else, is taking you in a direction that is opposite of the way he's leading you. That's called disobedience. That's called running a red light. And I, back in February, I talked about running red lights. Danger, danger, danger. The bridge is out. The bridge is out. Don't drive any further. Hit the brakes. When God's trying to go ahead and lead you, come on now. So whoever it's for, take it and run with it. But oh, I'll tell you, I felt some juice on that. Glory to God. That was for somebody. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and check this out here. I, I want to uh, dive into the subject of the law of faith and, and, and look at it from this angle. Call it living above sea level but not S-E-A. Let's talk about living above S-E-E. C level. The level of what you can see with your eyes. The level of what you can perceive with your outside senses. All right? Are you with me on that? 
living above sea level. It's as simple as this. The Apostle Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And the, the importance of this is that if you're walking by sight, it can take you in a very, very different direction than walking by faith. Now, now you know and I know, so don't be crazy, all right? When you cross the street in the middle of the city, you walk by sight. And when the car is coming, you don't proceed, all right? So I just want to say that for the record. All right. For the record. All right, there. <laughs> but 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 you you see, uh, uh, I, I say that because in practical, natural details of life, you need to go ahead and have a little bit of walking by sight. But the thing is that you can get into such a habit of doing that that that, that your whole leaning is towards that direction, rather than being able to say. Well, if God said it and I don't see it, I'm still going with what God said even when I don't see it. And and you see, so this is a perspective that needs to change. And as it does change, that's part of our understanding how things work in the kingdom because in order to have the results God wants you to have, you need to see life as God sees it. And I got to tell you, when... In recent years, and recent decades, uh, there's been a term used very often. It's a term called worldview. And I got to tell you, we are living in a time when people have some crazy worldviews. I mean crazy. I mean, they're going to standing on their head and telling everybody else they're upside down. They're crazy. I mean, uh, any other time in history, looking and seeing this day, people would not think it was possible that mankind could ever take such ideas seriously. But it's part, of, uh, it's part of what happens when people choose not to include God in their way of thinking. God said, well, you don't want to include me in your way of thinking? You want to be crazy? Well, I'll let you be crazy. I'll let you be real crazy. The scripture even uses the term of God giving people over to a reprobate mind. Oh, Lord. But I got to tell you this. Uh, as people of God who really want to follow God and please God, we realize this. Just people walk by faith. The Bible establishes, establishes that real well, the just shall live by faith. It also establishes that if you want to please God, there is no other way to do it. It is impossible, Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So, so we're walking by faith and not by sight. Why are we doing this? Because there's a blessing on doing it that way that you can't get any other way. Just ask some guy named Thomas. John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, is not with them when Jesus came. That means with the other disciples. Verse 25, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, 
reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed. Someone say blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Hallelujah. Are you getting a hold of that tonight? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. So when you are not seeing things going the way that you have your heart's desire to see them go, you know you've got God's word on it. So you know if you've got God's word on it, that settles the question of his will. Because if he didn't want you to have it, he wouldn't have said he wanted you to have it. And if he didn't want you to have it, he wouldn't have told you how to get it. Think about that. That settles the question about the will of God. The will of God is not, not a factor when you understand that. You see, here's the thing. If I don't want you coming to my house, I'm not giving you directions. I'm not giving you my address. But if I do want you to come, I'll give you my address. And if you don't have a GPS, I'll give you old-fashioned directions and tell you to take a turn where Benny's used to be and all that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but you see, God's not telling you how to get something that he doesn't want you to have, which means if he's telling you how to get there and telling you how to receive that, how to achieve that, that tells you everything you need to know about his will in the matter. But you see, if, if you don't see it, but you still choose to believe based on the fact that God said it and on the fact that God's got integrity, God's a God who keeps his promises, God's a God who keeps covenant and shows mercy, God's the God of whom it is said, my covenant I will not break, neither will I alter the word that's gone forth out of my lips. See, that's faith. Because that, independent of whether you see something or not, is not changing what you believe. You believe something because God said it. You believe it's yours because God said it's yours. And therefore, that settles the issue for you. So if you don't see it, it does not deter you. You know, people can get deterred. James talked about that. Talked about being double-minded. <laughs> Said, if you're double-minded, don't expect to receive anything of the Lord. If you're wavering like a wave of the sea, tossed by the wind, you know, he said, don't expect that you receive anything of the Lord. He said about the double-minded man that they're unstable in all of their ways. So I don't want to be a double-minded man. I don't want to be wavering which means I got the characteristics of a wave. I'm up and I'm down, I'm up and I'm down, you know. Uh, the, the idea of that, I don't want a life like that. Faith in God brings you to a place of stability, steadfastness, where, I mean, you, you know, you, you, no matter what the weather is outside, whether it's raining outside or whether sometimes it's raining on your head, no matter the situation, when you've got faith in God, you have a certain uh, steadfastness and uh, an, an establishment about you where you're, you're like the, the tree that's planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth its fruit in its season. 
Your leaf does not wither, and whatsoever you do shall prosper. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, somebody. Now, understand this, that as we're living above sea level, why do we need to do this? Because there are directions and there are blessings and riches in the spirit realm, or shall we say the unseen realm. So the idea of living by faith in God is that there are things that you need and that are yours in Christ, but they're not here in the place where you can see it and reach it and grab it, or shall we say they're not here yet. See, there is an unseen realm. And we're so trained to think in terms of, all right, not seen, not real. But I got to tell you, if, if that is your way of thinking and your philosophy on life, that will damn you to hell if you take it all the way. Because in order to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to begin with, even though you can look in the history book and, and, and you can go ahead and see that there was a man named Jesus who once lived on planet Earth, but the thing is, if that's all you believe about him, that's not enough. That ain't going to cut it. You're going to stand before him and there's only one answer that's right. It's an open book test. <laughs> open the book. See what he says about himself and believe that. Hallelujah. So, so I, I want you to go ahead and uh, just have this way of thinking that, that even though something is not seen doesn't mean it's not real. The spirit realm is real. Unseen things are real. The Bible says, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but it's a good place to use this verse anyhow. Hebrews 11 says that through faith we understand that, uh, verse 3 that is, uh, 11.3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other words, things which are visible were made of things which are invisible. You follow that? Things which are visible, what you can see, what you can touch, were made of things which are invisible. However, this invisible stuff has to be pretty potent because this invisible stuff created everything that you see. Everything in this room, that beautiful person you look at in the mirror every day and every star in the universe. Everything that's created was created by something invisible. God spoke a word. A word. You see words coming out of my mouth? Nope. You know why? Because words are invisible. But I want you to know that invisible words created the visible worlds. Invisible words created the visible worlds. Hallelujah. So I want you to have this awareness that just because it's not seen does not mean it's not real it does not mean it does not have substance. It's got a substance, all right. It's not a substance that you can grab a hold of in this realm, but there's more to life than this realm. 
Come on now. So, let's look at Hebrews eleven seven. You had it up there a minute ago. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. You see that? This man, why is he in the Faith Hall of Fame? Because he built one seriously humongous boat over something that was showed to him that was not yet seen. Something revealed to him that was not yet seen. He did not see it. He, he did not see thunder clouds and rain clouds. He did not see the, uh, the, the, the uh, fountains of the deep busting open. He did what he did, built the ark based solely on the word of God to him, the commands of God to do it. And he went and did it. And the, you know he was a preacher. The Bible says, this is a hint. You know, sometimes the New Testament gives you a hint of what somebody did that the Old Testament itself did not show. The Bible and Peter, Peter's writing, I believe it's Second uh, Peter or First Peter. Well, it's got to be one or the other. <laughs> what a heavy revy there, right? Uh, but he talked about Noah as a preacher of righteousness. See that? So that means he had to be doing some preaching. And this preacher of righteousness who was preaching what was going to happen, how many people listened to him? Nobody listened to him. Only him, his wife, three sons, and their wives. And that was it. That's pretty sad. But I got to tell you, what a testimony to a man who was warned of God of things not yet seen and decided that even though he did not yet see it, if God said it, it was accurate. And truly it was. Now Ephesians 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, first of all, just because the word spiritual is there, we categorize things in our minds sometimes where we think, all right, well, there's spiritual blessings and there's physical blessings and there's financial blessings and there's family blessings. But, but I want you to go ahead and change your way of thinking here and realize this. Every blessing is a spiritual blessing. Because every blessing from God originates in the realm of the spirit. Which is unseen to your physical eyes, but it's no less real. So, so that, uh, uh, those blessings originate in the realm of the spirit. They are there in the realm of the spirit. In this place called heavenly places in Christ. You ever been there before? Hey, oh, I'm setting you up right now. Have you ever been there before? Well, come on, let, let's, go, let's go ahead and take a look. Can I surprise you all in the sound booth there? Let's go ahead to Ephesians 2. Oh, Lordy, y'all mess with me. I'm about to tear up the roof here. Ephesians 2, here we go. I'm just going to use my phone to look at this one, all right? I want to look at Ephesians 2. And we're going to look at verse uh, 4 through verse 6. All right? But God, who is rich in mercy 
because of his great love with which he loved us. Verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And now verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I want you to realize something. What we just celebrated this past week, the death and the resurrection of our Lord, that was not just something that happened to him. I want you to realize that, that we were in him. That the, Paul's used this term, I was crucified with Christ. We died with him. We were buried with him. We were raised together with him and we're seated together with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, which if you go back to Ephesians 1.3, just happens to be the same location where those blessings are. Hey, <laughs> hallelujah. That's amazing. So think about this. Where these blessings are is where you at. You at where the blessings at. Hallelujah. And so if you don't realize that you're there, then you don't act like you're there. If you don't believe you're there, then you don't think of yourself as being there. You think, well, there's, you know, there's God up above and me way down below. And you see, that's why what pastor's teaching regarding the renewing of the mind is so vital because this is a way to renew your mind. When you only think of yourself as little old Joe down here on planet earth rather than being somebody who died with Christ, was raised together with Christ, and is right now, not someday. Uh, can we go back to Ephesians 2, 6? I know I'm messing with y'all, but... But I, I'm, I'm nice and you'll forgive me, right? <laughs> Ephesians 2, verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is not talking about something that he's going to do. This is talking about something that he has done. Right? This is not talking about something he's going to do. This is talking about something he has done. Now... Let's go back to the other one, Ephesians 1, 3, and let's look at this. We're renewing our minds right now, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bless us. No, no, it doesn't say will bless us. He said who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So what we're doing, we're finding out how the kingdom works. So we're renewing our mind. We're realizing that we're seated there in heavenly places in Christ. That's where the blessings are. And that's not where the blessings are going to be. No, he's already blessed us with those blessings. Those blessings are already there. Those blessings are already there right in the same place where we are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And not just some of them, not just a few of them, not just the, you know, these and these and these, but not these and these and these. No, it uses the word every, everyone. Glory to God. I tell you, if you get half of this tonight, you're going to be ready to run around town tomorrow. Hallelujah. 
put your jogging shoes on and run. Whoa. Now, let's look at another one. Philippians 4, verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's amazing. God will supply all your need according to your riches. According to his riches. Yeah. According to his riches. In glory by Christ Jesus. And so you see, this is another uh, moment to understand that in the realm of the spirit, in the heavenly realm, in the unseen realm, there is all the stuff that you need, not just for heaven and have little angel wings and stuff like that. No, this is for life. This is talking about your needs being met here in this life right now, 2022, but it's not being met by what you got in your account. It's getting met based on what's in his account and he got something in his account. Now I got to tell you, God does not have U.S. dollars in his account in heaven. Nor does he have uh, francs or pesos or any other kind of uh, uh, monetary system. But the riches that he's got in glory are sufficient for everything that you could, would, ever need or conceive of needing. There is absolutely nothing that we can face in life where there is not a blessing provided that's already there for us in the spirit realm to meet that because then if there was, then every wouldn't be every. But he did say every, didn't he? So if he said every, then it's got to be there and it's got to be available and it's got your name on it, glory to God forever. Now, it's hard to find a place to, to quit tonight. But I think I got a place to quit. Here we go. Let's go ahead and look at uh, two more verses. Look at it, Hebrews 11.1. 1. A classic verse on faith. And it's the beginning of what is called the faith chapter. And it is awesome. But this says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Now. Can something be invisible and yet you have evidence of it? Hallelujah. Well, I tell you, your very testimony in Christ should be that. Somebody look at you and your eyes look the same. Check out your hair. Your hair looks the same. You still walk like you. But there's something that's so different. Peter used the term, they think it's strange that you're not running with them to the same riotous excess. They, the, the, your old buddies think it's strange. Your, your, your old girlfriends think it's strange. They, what happened to you? you? You used to go ahead and do this with us and do that with us and not think twice of it. And now you're all churchy and stuff. 
You're just smiling all the time. What's up with that? I tell you, that is called evidence of something that's not seen. Because they can't see. But in the spirit realm, if somebody were to look at that person's spirit, that person's eternal spirit, they would see a clear difference. You would see one spirit that's lost, one spirit that, that's emaciated, uh, uh, that, that's crippled, that, that, that's uh, uh, just outright dead. And you look at another spirit and you see this one alive and full of life, full of the life of God. Uh, what, what the Bible calls being a new creature in Christ, old things being passed away and all things becoming new. Evidence of something that's not seen. But you know what? Your faith is said to be the evidence of things not seen. That means just you taking God at his word Believing what he said, taking him seriously, not thinking that he was messing around and saying April Fool's. No, you, you know that God said what he meant, meant what he said, and that you can take that word to the bank. And as you do, what does that become? That becomes evidence to you of something that's not seen. That becomes such a deep-rooted certainty inside of you that, that no matter how many skeptics try to talk you out of it, they couldn't talk you out of it because you just know that you know that you know that you know that you know. Hallelujah. And faith is substantive. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Another translation that says that faith gives substance to things hoped for. You see, here's the thing. We're, we're thinking, well, there's substance here in this seen world, but anything that's unseen, it doesn't have substance. Let me tell you something. Don't forget this seen world came into being out of the unseen world. The invisible words of God formed the visible worlds. So don't you tell me that just because something is not seen, that it does not have substance, that it is not substantive or substantial, because it truly is. And so therefore, when you have your faith in the word of God, there is substance to that. It is a substance-given thing. It is so substantial and substantive that it can cause, uh, shall we say, a, a cross-realm transfer where it's not just in heavenly places. It's not just in the unseen. It's not just in the spirit. But when you grab a hold of it with your faith, it's not just there. It's right here in this realm where you can see it and you can touch it. Glory to God. Because your faith reached out and grabbed something that was invisible and brought it into the visible. Because just because it was invisible does not mean it was not there, does not mean it wasn't real. It's just that you couldn't see it. But it still was there. It still was real. Because there's a real place called heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And whether you feel like it today or not, if you are a believer, you are seated there right now. And if you start believing that, talking like that, and acting like that, you're going to learn a whole lot about how things work in the kingdom of God. Glory to God. One more, one more, one more. Here we go. We're going to leave on this high note right here. This is the words of 
Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, talking about Jesus, whom having not seen, you love. Oh, yeah. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So think about this. You are loving somebody you don't see and you are rejoicing over something you don't see. See, this is what I'm talking about right here. This is what I'm talking about. You, you, you've not seen him, but you love him. And even though now you don't yet see him, but you believe something. You believe he's true. You believe everything he said is true. You believe that you can take anything he said and go to the bank with it and that his promise is true and it'll come to pass and you're rejoicing with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Why are you so full of joy? Why are you so full uh, so full of uh, inexpressible uh, joy and glory? What's going on with you? You believe something. You are doing this. You're rejoicing over something you don't see and you're loving someone you don't see. But just because you don't see him doesn't mean he's not real. And just because you don't see the spiritual blessings in heavenly places, you don't see the heavenly places. But if you believe what the word of God said, that you're there, then as you believe you're there and you see you're there and the blessings are there, and then you could go ahead and say, oh, if I'm there and the blessings are there, well, why don't I go ahead and get a hold of some of the blessings? Who are they for anyhow? Well, they just might be for me. Yes, they are for you. That's why God had put them there for you. So you see what I want to do? I just want to stir you up. We need to think differently in order to understand how things work in God's kingdom and get the maximum benefit. So this is part of the law of faith. If you're just going to go ahead and say, I only believe what I see. And if I don't see it, then I don't believe it. If you're going to be Thomas, you, you ain't going to get none of Abraham's stuff on Thomas's faith, I'll tell you that. You can forget about it. But if you're going to go ahead and walk in some Abraham faith and believe something you can't see, God called Abraham father of a nation when, when he went hardly farther of anything. And I'll tell you, I can imagine that old man pushing around an empty baby carriage. hey. <laughs> Telling people who he was. My name is Abraham, father of many nations. Well, where's your many nations? But I got to tell you, the faith of Abraham, talk about something that you can sink your teeth into. You know, that, that, that something that seems so unrealistic and so unfathomable, yet not by God's standard. Because what might seem far-fetched to you and what might seem to be impossible to you, to God, he does not know the meaning of the word. And the Bible says that there's nothing impossible with God. But that's not the only thing it says. It also says there's nothing impossible to the one who believes. So you got to put those together. If you just believe there's nothing impossible with God, and that's all you believe, then you've you got all the responsibility on him. 
And whether it happens or whether it doesn't happen is all up to God. But if you believe that and you also believe the other thing that the scripture shows, that all things are possible to them who believe, then you realize that God is the one who has done it and has made it available, but it's only going to go ahead and show up in my world and show up in my life if I do some believing. Check mark. Hallelujah. Let's pray tonight. Father, we honor you. Lord, we love the word. We, we love finding out about the principles of your kingdom and, and how things work. And Lord, we're thrilled, thrilled to know you, thrilled to have this wonderful opportunity to be called sons and daughters of God. Thank you for it. And you know, if, if, if you don't know what that thrill is like and you are not uh, in a place where you can say, I know for sure I'm a child of God. I know for sure that, uh, that when I leave planet Earth, when I die, that I'm going to be with uh, the Lord. Well, you need to know. And there's no reason for you not to know. The good news is being preached tonight, and it's available to you, that Jesus came and died to save mankind. Every man and every woman, salvation is available to them. They may not take him up on it, but the offer is still extended. And tonight, he's knocking on the door of your heart. And you know he's dealing with you. This is your night. So I want you to go ahead and pray with me. If you know this is it, and you are so tired of the way you've been going, the way you've been living, and you know, I need Jesus, and that's just all there is to it. Whether you're watching my live stream, whether you're here in the building tonight, we're going to pray together. And I don't want you to just go ahead and mouth words. If, if you mean this, mean it. Jump in with both feet. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus. And nobody else could do what Jesus did for you. What he did for us by saving us, by, 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 by his death and resurrection. That's the way salvation has become available to us. That's what we just celebrated on Good Friday and Easter. It's real. What he did is real. And what he's got available for you tonight is very real. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. He's my Lord. I truly believe he is the Son of God. I repent. I turn my back. I do a U-turn from the way I've been living. And I will, with your help and by your grace, serve you and only you all the days of my life. I receive your gift of eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen.